football, basketball, Derek Willis, as always, at politics as well. What a night it was for elections. Joined, as always, with Trevor Kelsey, the producer of this lovely radio show here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Trevor, how are you today? I didn't win my election last night. I'm a little depressed. What were you running for? Uh, anything that they would give me. And you, you came up just short? That's I a came, bummer. I came up just short, yes. Yeah. I came uh, up, I came up actually in third place uh, right behind a uh, mailbox. Crazy, crazy night. Crazy night with politics. And there's the, the Skype machine running. Crazy night with politics here in Kentucky. And also, Trevor, you'll be disappointed to hear that the weed bill in Ohio did not pass. Well, it's good news for you because that means I'm staying in Kentucky. Why? No, it's not good news for me. And why? Why would you? Oh, oh, like I get you on the show. Yeah, that is good news. I don't want you to go anywhere else, buddy. I'm, and I know, I know you would have been tempted to go off into Ohio and just live there. I've lived, I've lived in Ohio for a brief time before. Yeah, what part? Columbus, Dublin, to be exact. That's exciting. That's good stuff. Uh, the Ohio, the the weed bill in Ohio doesn't pass. The, I forget what the name of the bill was in, in Houston, uh, also did not pass. I think it was called Puff Puff Pass was the name of the bill. That was not the name of the bill. And uh, and then Matt Bevin defeats Jack Conway in a shocking, shocking uh, governor race here in Kentucky where Jack Conway going in was five to six points. He was predicted to win by five or six points. Ends up losing by about eight, which is just, I mean, that's way off. That's like Trevor, uh, somebody being a, I don't know, a, a eighteen point favorite, and then losing by thirty one. So he so he pulled uh, Joe Namath a little bit, kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, not that so close much. of a victory. Obviously, Namath only it's, won sixteen seven, but. Oh, that's it's not so much that Matt, or Matt Bevan won, it's that he killed Conway. I mean, it wasn't close. That puppy was wrapped up. I don't know what time the KET debate show started, maybe around 7 or 8, but, I mean, an hour after it started, it was very much clear that Matt Bevin was going to get the win. So, yeah, it would be like a huge dog going into a game and just blowing the doors off the favorite. Does, does, that, Eric, fall, does that fall under the category and there's no publicity is bad publicity? Because this entire time, I saw more Matt Bevin is a liar ads and Matt Bevin's this and that. I saw the stuff that happened after his debate. I never have once seen like one negative Conway or a positive Conway for that very often on TV or anything about Conway at all. I mean, everything I've seen about Bevin was negative, but clearly, you know, you get a guy's name in your head, you might vote for him. Well, Bevin tried to run a clean campaign. He wasn't going to try to run overly negative ads. There were some of them. I don't know. You I'm know, sure there he, were. I just maybe them. maybe he claimed that his that his party paid for him. He didn't pay for him. Uh, but there's a lot more negative ads coming from the Conway campaign about Matt Bevin. And I don't think it was so much that he, that was good publicity for him. But I think maybe some swing voters said, "All right, uh, Jack Conway's just trying to be too dirty, run a, a dirty campaign where Matt Bevin's focusing on the issues." Which isn't, I don't know. Again, I wasn't too crazy about either of the guys, but I was surprised to see Matt Bevin pull away with the win. What really hurt the Democrats last night, Trevor, was uh, Barack Obama. And not, you know, I'm not taking a stance on Barack Obama one way or the other. What really hurt the Democrats, though, is in Kentucky, if you say the name Barack Obama, it's almost like the boogeyman. So people on the fence 
what the Republicans would do is say, well, if you vote for these Democrats, you got to remember these Democrats support and voted for Barack Obama. So, you know, they're going to follow in his footsteps. And those swing voters just went, oh, no, 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 not the boogeyman. Can't have the boogeyman here. And they all voted uh, right and for the Republicans. So that's what Rand Paul tweeted out, who's running for president, Trevor. He said, uh, Kentuckians and Democrats in Kentucky, you can blame Barack Obama for your poor showing tonight. So that that was the scariest thing. And that's one thing that I think Hillary Clinton, if she wins the Democratic nomination, which she likely will, that's going to be something really hard for her to overcome, is that all the swing voters are just going to say, yeah, well... You supported Barack Obama. You were a big Obama fan. And that's why, while Hillary Clinton has more, probably more experience than any other Republican nomination, that's what's going to keep the Republicans in that presidential race a year from now. And Trevor, you thought the Jack Conway, Matt Bevan ads were bad. <laughs> you ready for presidential ads here starting no. in the not too soon? No, not- I'm not. I'm not. I know. I know. I remember the four years ago. I remember four years before that and four years before that. No, I do not. I, I get sick and tired of seeing the political ads, even if whether it be presidential, which is in a larger scale of shoving it down my throat, or locally. I just I, I'm annoyed. I don't. I, I'm just glad to get let's get the election stuff over with, so I can watch good commercials that are telling me how to buy a car I can't afford or something with Sheldon from Big Bang Theory promoting something I don't know even know what the hell he's promoting. I want that kind of ads them on me. Uh, I want more get- progressive. I want more blonde flow. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be annoying. If you don't like politics, it's I don't know what you're going to do with yourself for the next <laughs> next year. But uh, we'll we'll all get through it. Uh, so it's Thank Wednesday. God for DVR so I can fast forward past the commercials and watch nothing live. Amen, Trevor. <laughs> Amen, buddy. It is Cats Illustrated Wednesday. I mean, we're going to have Justin Rowland on here in the second segment. And just a, a long, uninterrupted back and forth with me and him discussing everything in the realm of UK sports. I should say him and me, excuse me. Uh, my dad always gets on me for that. But I was going to say so, something, but I was so, going to be nice. So that that will uh, – so that's always fun. We'll, we'll do that, have our, our weekly roundup, talk last week's Tennessee game, and then preview the Georgia game. Georgia's going to be down with a few players, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, and then talk about UK basketball, obviously. Some breaking news today that I'm literally just now seeing, although it happened a little while ago – is what you've been uh, doing? college basketball related. Uh, I, I've been working, and then and then I uh, watched some some TV and wasn't really paying attention. It's been a busy day, but up until th- and then at three, I got done with everything. So I said, "All right, well, I'm behind on my DVR." So parks I'm gonna try rec. to get a. I'm gonna try to get a. Sh- no, nah, I've already seen all the Parks and Rec, Trevor. There's no Parks and Rec I haven't seen. What'd you watch on the DVR then? Homeland, a Homeland episode. I, I haven't watched Homeland since end of season two. It was all. It's okay. It's whatever. I, I watched the new Thirty just, on Thirty last night. That was pretty decent about Bill McCartney from uh, Colorado. I heard it was pretty good. A lot of people were tweeting about it. Just uh, I was watching politics stuff because I'm a nerd. But uh, and then around three forty, all right, time to start show show prepping. So uh, that, twenty minutes. Wow, I'm glad you gave a lot of effort for us. Well, I, it, the <laughs> initial the the okay, we're about to come on show prep to make sure everything's working and everything's there. Uh, this, I usually keep tabs throughout the day of exciting stuff that's going on. But again, I was working most of the day, so I wasn't able to do that. But just now finding this out, Marcus Page is going to be out for UNC for three to four weeks with a broken hand, which, again, coming from somebody that's broken their hand, I have twice, a three to four week timetable is just awfully quick, awfully quick. 
Uh, so I imagine it'd probably be a little bit longer than that. It also kind of depending on the how severe the break was. Well, it looks like it's but a fracture that... opposed to a break. I don't know how that would make any major difference. Well, fracture is still a, a, still a fracture break, still a I guess. Break. You're right, yeah. Yeah. I, I think a fracture may not necessarily be like a clean break. It's just a crack into the bone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's, I, I guess, that could be worse. That could be better. Again, I'm not a hand doctor, but what what is what do you make of that trevor and does that maybe make you and see could well, they be I, vulnerable I, to an early season loss definitely yes i mean definitely vulnerable to an early season loss and if i'm north carolina i mean if you're going to be the most positive on a negative situation you want it, i mean let's be honest i mean if you're you want this to happen to you probably your star player you want it to happen now to where you're you're missing him maybe for the first you know, obviously month, maybe over a little bit month, month and a half of the season, which is going to be majority of your out-of-conference play. Yes, you're going to have maybe some big games that you would rather prefer win and have him at full strength. But, I mean, if you're going to have – you don't want this to happen in February, and you sure still don't want it to happen in March, so you don't want it to really happen at all at any point. But, I mean, if you want to be a positive spin about things and in a, a baby blue North Carolina view of things, you want it to happen now and, and get it over with and get it out of the way. And if anything this can do is can help maybe some of your younger guys get a few more minutes, maybe somebody else step up that when he does come back can mesh with him and you have maybe a more valuable weapon or more weapons that you didn't know you had that you wouldn't have known you had if Marcus Page hadn't had to miss time in an early part of the season where a majority of your opponents in the early part of the season will be probably games that you can give guys some more minutes and some more shots that you normally wouldn't do if Page was there. Yeah, I think at the in the grand scheme of things, as long as the his bone heals properly yeah, and there's not a lingering issue, this isn't all that big of a deal. It's not like football where you know one or two losses could take you out of your ultimate uh, goals. So as long as he's fine by ACC play, if I was a UNC fan, that's all I would worry about. Now this will be interesting. This is going to put them right on the front a three to four week time frame on when he's going to be healthy, we'll put him right in that little window of possibly being back for that huge game against Maryland on December 1st. That'll be one versus three if the polls hold. Uh, Up until then, they're going to play Northwestern. They'll play Northern Iowa, who's an okay team. They'll start the year off with Temple. All three of those games, I wouldn't say are— Two of those three schools wear purple. That's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable! And there's probably what maybe ten teams in the whole country that wear purple. There are definitely more than ten teams out of three hundred thirty Division One basketball teams. There are more than uh, there's more than that that wear purple. I'd be one to bet. I wonder if you can name me twenty five that wear purple. Could I name you? Well, I'm you probably can't name gonna, me, but I'll let you look it up later on as the day. I could definitely find 25 teams that wear purple. I'm not going to do it here on the show. Primary color, and I want you to email it to me later in the week. That's your work, homework assignment. Get to work on that. I, well, I'm not going to do that, but there are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and, okay. All right. Okay. We're already. Whew, all right. But those aren't easy. Those aren't easy games. They should win them. <laughs> They're not easy. Temple, Northern Iowa, Northwestern, all before Maryland. Now, if they go into that Maryland game. Without Page. Now, the good news is it's a home game, unless it's a neutral site game that I don't know about. Sometimes they don't show those on the schedule. Uh, but uh, it's a home game. I think they'd probably even be okay without Marcus Page. Just it being a huge game, then being at home, uh, I imagine they'll probably. Well, who's probably North be Carolina's okay backup right point guard? Or, I guess, facilitating guard. I don't know. I, I, I still have trouble you know, calling maybe, Page a point guard sometimes. 
maybe Joel Berry, Nate Britt, who's okay. I, I don't know. I would imagine they would share the duties. <laughs> duties. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think? Uh, I would. I would. I just, I'm just thinking. I wonder who I want to feel bad for that has to, to take Paige's spot and try to deal with Melo Trimble that day. Oh, at home, I think they'll be okay, and especially with the length that UNC has inside. Uh, but interesting college basketball note, nonetheless. We're, the plan is to still do that fun college basketball show that we did last year, Trevor. You remember. That's when we made you work the phone lines, get guys on, get guys off. Yeah, I try to forget times when you made me work. The plan is to do that. Are you looking away from your, Are you looking away from your mic? You sound like you're going, like moving your head around. I'm not looking away there from my go. mic, but I am. Well, I am worried that maybe we're not talking through the microphone because I did lean back, but the microphone again is attached to my head, so I was curious I would hope that's that, not yeah. the case. <laughs> you sound well, like you were moving uh, it away from me for a little bit, like you were walking away from me as you were talking. Well, then that probably means that we're not going through my microphone, which is concerning, uh, because. This is why we have the microphone for me to be able to talk through it. But I guess no leaning back for TJ. I'll 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 stay on the tip of my toes for you, Trevor. Okay. Good job. That should always be on the. You should always be on your tip of your toes when you're talking to me. The plan is to do the college basketball preview show next week. That's when we'll get guys on that cover UNC, Duke, Kansas. Uh, I don't know who else we got. We'll get maybe get somebody on the cover covers Notre Dame, Louisville. You know all the big schools, all the schools that are having some preseason expectations and we'll just ask them for their final four predictions their national title and you know maybe a one or two minute uh, synopsis of the team they cover and what the expectations are there uh, everybody really enjoyed the show last year so we'll try to do that again this year and again that'll be sometime next week is the plan although we haven't pinned down a date yet for that uh, trevor what else is in the news today uh, that's not much it. We've got, uh, I can tell you for the, in terms of the scu- uh, studio, we've got the, uh, Kevin Wilson show coming up at seven, followed by Jeff Brom show at eight. And then we'll be going to Indiana Pacer basketball at nine o'clock tonight here on uh, 1450. And Indiana, not overly impressive against Ottawa GGs last night. Yeah. But now you got to remember, now, didn't Ottawa beat them last year, if I'm not mistaken? They did again, that, but that's not something to hang your hat no, on. No, true. And Ottawa did, is one of the better teams in Canada and now you did win they it was a little closer and I think you're right they they wanted it to be they went on I think it was a, a little 21 point stretch in the second quarter second half kind of opened the game up a little bit more for them and gave them some breathing room but I mean it, it's it's your IU I mean it's a tough matchup but I mean we can't no, all beat no, we can't uh, all beat uh, Ottawa uh, by 60 uh, points all right, well, you're, you're, you're kind of spinning here. And so I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't really know what your, what your point is. Is your point that it's okay for IU to be in a close game late against Ottawa GGs for the second straight year? First of all, I think you just like saying GGs. Uh, second, no, I don't think it's, it's okay, but it's not uh, at the end of the world. Yeah, it's, it, nobody said it was. You keep saying GGs. I keep wanting to go get a cupcake. It was uh, interesting, though. I, IU still is going to be a pretty mediocre defensive team. Uh, they're just lucky that they have great. Wait a minute. Wait great... a minute. When did they get good enough to be mediocre? Yeah. I mean, that, I, I, that, where, where was I probably... for that for that transition from crappy to, to mediocre? That probably is generous. Uh, let's touch on, uh, and we may or may not touch about on this in the Cats Illustrated podcast here in the next segment. Some big basketball recruiting news for UK. Uh, John Calipari saw De'Aaron Fox last week. This week, he saw Harry Giles, and today, seeing Malik Monk, uh, all five stars, all major, major UK targets. Now, the latter two, Harry Giles and Malik Monk, 
UK is in a heated race with those guys. I think Darren Fox is probably going to end up a Wildcat. Uh, but UK is in a heated race with Harry Giles and Malik Monk. And if they don't get either guy, they're likely going to finish second in both those recruitments. Now, also about Malik Monk and Harry Giles. Both those guys are coming off an official visit to Kentucky's biggest competition in the recruitment. Harry Giles visiting Duke this past weekend. Malik Monk, Monk visiting Arkansas, the home state school. And so within three days of their official visits to said schools, John Calipari's back in their ear, back talking to them, uh, getting, you know, saying, I hope you enjoyed that visit, but maybe you didn't enjoy it too much. Here's what I got to talk about. Uh, the Malik Monk one isn't as big as the deal because I do imagine he will be uh, a spring decision, so there will likely be a lot of ups and downs in that recruitment. Now, Harry Giles, he plans on announcing November 14th. That's here pretty soon. Likely will be Duke or uh, Duke or Kentucky, and I think that says a lot that John Calipari went to visit him saying they're not going to give up. Now with the Miles Bridges, that's somebody he picked Michigan State over UK. UK finished second in that recruitment. He went and visited UK and, and changed the visit date and already set an announcement date, and all the writing was on the wall that he was going to go to Michigan State. John Calipari didn't go up and visit him. Uh, so, you, you know, he conceded that one because he probably didn't feel too good about it. The fact that he's going to visit Harry Giles, I think that says, hey, we still got a fighting chance. That's what I'm being told. That's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on. Now, we're going to head to a commercial break. We come back, Cats Illustrated podcast with Justin Rowland. We're going to talk about all these things. We're going to talk about football, basketball, and again, maybe touch on recruiting a little bit more. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. brain you don't like me and i don't like you but let's just do this and i can get back to killing you with beer now back to the sports talker with tj walker we're back here 1450 the sports buzz another Unusually warm day for it being November. I'm not complaining about it. And I'm also not complaining about having Justin Rowland on. Cats Illustrated Podcast, let's do this. Justin, how are you doing out there in Missouri? It's a little bit warm here as well. I'm ready for it to cool down, man. Football Saturdays just don't feel the same when it's when it's not that cold kind of brisk air that's just, that's just making everything feel like it should. But uh, but I, yeah, I guess it's, it's better than it, than it could be. I, I don't really, as long as it's not freezing cold or way too hot, I'm happy. So it could be November or December and be 60 or 70 degrees, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Uh, I don't need it to be that brisk kind of cool. I don't mind it. I'm okay with it. Uh, but I, I guess whatever works, and again, as long as it's not raining or a cold rain or anything like that, I'm on board with it. And the weather forecast in Athens for this weekend looks like it should be fine, as, ever, as far as I can tell. Kentucky heading down to that Georgia game. Before we talk about that, we can almost hit the rewind button on last week's podcast by saying, what the hell happened with UK against Tennessee? Uh, last week it was Mississippi State, but 
more of the same. We wanted to see a little fight from UK, and then there was none of that. Yeah, there was none of that, and now it's inevitable that people are going to be, you know, making the parallels between 2014 and 2015 because this is exactly what happened in 2014. And the only thing that's going to change the narrative is if the is if the players go out and change the narrative. I mean, I I don't want to say it is 2014 all over again, but this Georgia team is absolutely beatable if you're halfway decent, and even if it's in Athens, you know, it's, the Tennessee game was was just. It was awful. It was one of the worst games that I can remember Kentucky playing in a really long time. Not not just because of the score, but because they were they were beat probably worse than the score. I mean, I I thought that the score should have been even worse. Did you, did you kind of feel the same way? Oh, I think if Tennessee wanted to make it a little bit worse, they probably could have done that. It's it was just unbelievable watching it how it all unfolded there, Justin. Because uh, Kentucky gets the lead. Uh, and then they get the lead again. You're in a position where you're thinking, okay, just get to halftime if you're a U.K. fan. Uh, maybe at worst, down by three. Best case scenario, hell, maybe you're up by four. Maybe you get the ball back, you force Tennessee to punt, and, and you can score another touchdown. There was like five minutes left when Tennessee got the ball back when U.K. went up, and, and everything was looking good. And then just 20 game minutes later, Tennessee went on a 42-7 to run, and you were just left speechless about what happened. What what do you contribute to that just complete wheels-falling-off disaster of a run from Kentucky there? Well, first off, I think you got to point to a lack of leadership. And I didn't, I didn't see the wheels coming off earlier this year. Those first four SEC games, they responded to adversity very well in every one of those games. And... Yeah, they even responded well against Auburn. You kind of you had Sean White play the great first half, and you got to think, well, this kid's not going to play that great in the second half, and he didn't. Uh, one of the differences is that the last two quarterbacks they've played are they are not guys that you know. Okay, they're going to start making mistakes. They're guys that can go out and duplicate a strong half, and that's exactly what they've done. But especially in Tennessee's case, Tennessee more than really any other team this year, the talent discrepancy was really disturbing. It was really disturbing. I, I think in terms of Kentucky's receivers, um, you know, athletically they belonged on the field, but you see the difference between top 10 recruiting classes and top 30 recruiting classes. Kentucky's narrowed the gap with a lot of schools in the SEC, but Tennessee simply, simply enough had a lot more talent than Kentucky, um, and, and they're going to have to narrow the gap even more in recruiting to change that. Yeah, it, they and both those Mississippi State and Tennessee teams are of similar build with one another. Now, again, uh, Dobbs isn't Dak Prescott, but they are from the same mold. And, and also Tennessee had a better running back than Mississippi State had, although Mississippi State had some better receivers. Not that Tennessee's receivers, Josh Malone, is a stud. I know he at some point had some at least general interest in Kentucky. But uh, both talented teams, both kind of mismatch nightmares for UK, as we mentioned. How, you had you said that if you're a half-decent team, you can compete with Georgia. Is Kentucky a half-decent team? Well, they were earlier this year. They were they were a little bit better than halfway decent for most of the season. I, 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 I say halfway decent is probably what Kentucky has been on par this year. They probably overperformed a little bit against Florida and Auburn, and they probably under, underperformed against Lafayette and Eastern Kentucky. I think probably the Kentucky team that we saw against South Carolina, it, it, it really sums it up. You know, it's just wildly inconsistent. They can be really good when, when they're on, and they can be really bad when they're off. 
And going on the road in the SEC after the last two weeks is not normally a recipe for success at Georgia. But the good news is Georgia is trending in the exact same direction as Kentucky over the past couple of weeks. And their situation might be a little bit worse because their quarterback woes are worse. And at Georgia, you know, the Boo Birds come out a little bit louder. The expectations are a little bit higher. And kind of the, the mighty fall is a little bit more devastating. And I think, uh, I think that Kentucky can get its bearing straight this weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to say Kentucky's going to win, but I do think it's going to be a very close game. If it's not a close game, then the coaching staff is going is to encounter some criticism, and rightfully so, because they should not lose this game by more than, I would say, 7 to 10 points. Well, they've already, the coaching staff has already received a fair amount of criticism. And you being the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com, you already know all that. You, you know that all too well. Is that fair so far at this point of the season at 4-4? Four and four? And I know you're saying it's, that's kind of the average season. It's probably where UK should be. But you get blown out back-to-back weeks. And then you look at the year, and Auburn's not all that great. Maybe Kentucky should have captured that game. Lucky to beat Eastern Kentucky. So is it fair for fans right now to criticize UK's coaching staff? Yeah, I think I think, I think it's absolutely fair. And I'm going to avoid extremes here, and I know that that's not really popular fodder for discussion, but I, I think that you can say that the honeymoon period is over without putting Mark Stoops on the hot seat. And that's kind of the, the buzzwords right there, or honeymoon period. When I hear honeymoon period, what I think is you basically write off most otherwise legitimate criticism because of factors that a coach inherited that kind of tied his hands. And that certainly has been true. In a lot of respects, it still is true. You don't build SEC depth and, and create SEC competitiveness every single week in, three, in less than three full football seasons. But there's really no excuse for losing two games in the SEC the, the way that they had the last two weeks, especially when neither one of those teams is ranked in the top 25. That's not saying that Mark Duke should be fired, but it is saying that, that those were all system fails that there's literally almost nothing positive to take away from. And normally, coming out of a blowout loss, you kind of look for, well, this is a positive, this is something we can build on. There was nothing to build on from the end of the second quarter on through the Mississippi State game, all of the Tennessee game, literally nothing to build on. And a coach has to be held accountable for that. It, it's not easy to win at Kentucky, but Kentucky's looking for the guy that can do what's not easy. And, and so I, I think criticism is warranted. What about you? Well, I, I agree with you. And, and going back to that buzz phrase, honeymoon period. Well, first off, in year three of a coach of a coach at a new school, the honeymoon phase should be over. Now, again, like you said, it doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be on the hot seat, but you don't really get the pass for their rebuilding. I mean, to some extent, Mark Soups doesn't have all his guys in there yet, and I think fans understand that. But you have a lot of your guys in there, and you should still be competitive in these games. So I think the criticism is fine. If fans are upset, that's fine. Now, the fans, again – that are questioning, or not questioning, I guess I can understand questioning, but the fans that are saying that Mark Stoops and the coaching staff may, uh, should move on and Kentucky should reconsider that hire. Now, that's just ludicrous and, and completely ridiculous because it's too early for that. But uh, you, you touched on a lot of those good points. Another thing is, here in year three, there's not really a win for Kentucky fans to hang their hat on. There's not a game where you said, okay, uh, Team X was a lot better than Kentucky, but... Uh, Mark Stoops came in with a great game plan. They outcoached. UK's players outworked, and they were able to pull off the upset win. There's nothing really, there's nothing like that under Mark Stoops' era. And if they go down to Georgia and win, that would completely change that. that even though this is a struggling Georgia team, and Mark Rick may get fired, that would be the type of win where, where fans would go, oh, okay, 
Yeah, that that that's one that really stands out. I what was in year three when Rich Brooks beat Georgia uh, back in 2006, I believe. That's you know that was a signature win that maybe fans were like, okay, maybe he is the guy for the job. But uh, speaking of Mark Rick. They're going through a situation similar to Kentucky on a larger scale, obviously, where fans are kind of getting, they're criticizing him. They're wondering if he's the right guy for the job. They've got a lot of team turmoil, too. You've got a divided locker room, supposedly. How much of that do you think would be a factor? Because Kentucky's going through some of the same things. We heard Miguel Horton say last night that there was a all-players meeting. That's not always a good thing, Justin, when you hear that. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of a lot of times these things get blown up into these dramatic big moments. But you know, I'll just wait and see how how much of an impact a meeting like that has. If you've got good leadership, that a meeting like that could work. But if you've got questionable leadership and the team is has kind of folded, especially last week, or they they didn't respond two weeks in a row, then you got to wonder how much of an impact it's going to have. I'm not going to say it's not going to have an impact, but but there's no reason for me to believe that anything substantial is going to change because of that players only meeting. Georgia's problems are really compounded because they got their offensive line is playing really shaky right now. Their quarterback situation is not good. They haven't been able to run the ball. How often do you say Georgia is not able to run the ball? I think they had like 69 yards against Florida, and they averaged like 2.7 yards per carry against Missouri. And if you got quarterback problems, that's, that's a recipe for some pretty ugly football. So if you're Kentucky, hopefully you can get the run defense back on track this weekend. But I, I really just don't see Georgia as a very good football team right now. I don't even think it's a matter of a team that's underachieving or just the wheels come. I just don't think they're that good of a football team. So – It'll be a springboard for one of those two teams, even if it's an ugly game. I think it's going to be a springboard that maybe maybe one of those two teams can build off of. And I think some of the dynamics favor Kentucky a little bit, at least in terms of the intangibles. Would you say? Would you rather be Mark Rick trying to motivate a five and three Georgia team coming off a loss to Florida, or Mark Stoops trying to motivate a team coming off two straight blowout losses? Who do you think has the tougher motivation job? Oh, a lot of that falls in exactly what's going on in the locker rooms because it seems that both teams are going through some player controversy of some sort. And again, you and I are not in the locker room, so we don't know exactly what's going on in there. But that would probably play a big role into because it's going to come down to the players. If if the players are mad and upset at UK and they say, you know what, this is unacceptable. Uh, that players only meeting opened a lot of eyes. Let's go out there and let's win this for Mark Stoops. Let's do this. Uh, then you give Mark Stoops the advantage there. And, and uh, you know, I think going on the road in this situation may help uh, UK's chances because it's kind of just a, a, you're playing with the house money to a certain extent. Everybody's expecting you to lose. Why don't you go in there and surprise some people? Georgia, uh, they've got some locker room stuff. Maybe some guys are wondering if Mark Rick is the right coach. I know a lot of fans are wondering that. This could be his last season. But they've got all the pressure, Justin. If they don't win this game, Mark Rick might get fired after the end of the year. If you lose to Kentucky when you're 5-3 and three and you've got a lot of pressure and, and this and that, this might be a, a game to save his job, which may or may not be an advantage for Georgia because maybe some players are kind of sick of his act. And I'm not saying they're going to throw the game, but maybe they're not going to give it their all because they know that the wheels have fallen off and they're not motivated anymore. It's just it's tough. If you're looking at Georgia from an outsider's perspective, as we have, for, to, to, it's tough for me to fathom why their fans continue to hit the reset button because they, it seems like it's the same song and dance every single year with them. And, you know, Georgia is, is a proud program with SEC expectations. If you get the right coach there, you can win a national championship. It's been a long time. Really the only thing for Mark Rick to hold his hat on is 
he always has the next great batch of kids that's going to change things three, four years down the road. And since his early early championship teams with David Green and, and DJ Shockey, just hasn't happened. So there's really no reason to believe that the next batch of five stars, four stars, is going to be any different than the last four batches of them. And, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Trying the same thing over and over again and, and getting getting the same result and just trying it again. That, that's kind of the cycle that they're in right now. As for Kentucky and progress, I'm not one of those people that automatically says six wins is, is great progress because I think this staff at Kentucky can capitalize on a bowl more than maybe the Rich Brooks staff or the Joker Phillips staff in terms of parlaying that into recruiting success. They seem to be more astute at how that game is played. There's so many bowls now. Any five and seven teams in bowl games, if they kind of limp into the postseason with wins, a close win over Vanderbilt or a close win over Georgia and a win over Charlotte, and they're six and six and they finish six and to me, that's not necessarily progress. And that might be an it, it might seem like an impossible standard to some people, but TJ, there's no explanation for why Patrick Tolles has not gotten better this year. And I, I think he has gotten better in a lot of respects. But you look at the numbers, and his passer rating is down. His touchdown-to-interception ratio is down. And you look at the guys getting better around him, supposedly getting older, further away from the Phillips era. era there are some really inexplicable head-scratching statistics. Um, and, and I think that that's concerning. they got to fix it. I thought your tweet the other day was uh, unbelievable. And you can follow Justin. You probably already do. Uh, at J. Roland Rivals, uh, one of the East publisher, CatsIllustrated.com, does a great job. But that when it comes to, was it the passer rating of UK's yeah. quarterbacks over the last few years, that 2013 had the best year in terms of passer rating? That one, when Patrick Tolles wasn't the quarterback. Two, that was a 2-10 and ten team, Justin. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, amazing. And some people wrote that off as, well, they didn't have the quarterback doing as much. He was just throwing the backs out of the backfield. The quarterback, the quarterback rating accounts for that. Like it, all, it takes it takes touchdowns into account. The big difference is Kentucky had a fourteen to six touchdown interception ratio that year, and it's amazing that Patrick Tolles has seen that ratio decline since he's become the starter. And the receivers get blamed. The offensive line gets blamed. Probably blamed for the play calling. The last two coordinators. But, but really, if you dig deep down into the numbers, and frankly, this goes for offense and defense. There was a huge statistical improvement from 2013 to 2014. Okay, you expect that. The statistical improvement from 14 to 15 has not been as good as it, sh- as it probably should have been. Now, one reason for that is they didn't take care of business and really clean EKU and Lafayette's clocks like they should have. Those are supposed to be stat that padding games, I guess you could say. But those count, too. And, and when you put all of the games together, that's a pretty good barometer, you know, even with the outliers, or, or even if you're missing an outlier or two that you should have, you know. So eight games in, you got to wonder how much this team has really improved. I'm not saying they can't improve, but we can start to draw some conclusions about what, what kind of product they're putting on the field. And I don't think the advanced stats are, are really pretty. One of my biggest concerns is I just don't know if Kentucky's gotten a lot better from their first game to now. I'm sure maybe some individual players have, but as a team, it just doesn't look like a much different product out there uh, and, and for the same reasons that you touched on. Okay, we need to we need to try to wrap this up and then talk a little basketball for the remaining time that we have. But let me give you two scenarios, and you just briefly kind of play out what would happen if each with either one of these scenarios. The first one is Kentucky goes down to Georgia and get blo- and gets beat badly. 
Uh, it's a get-well game for Georgia. It's a feel-good game for Georgia. They score an offensive touchdown for the first time in a long time. What do you imagine happens for UK's final three games against Vandy, Charlotte, and Louisville? I would say that they would be lucky to win two of the final three. If they get beat badly by Georgia, then there's no reason for me to think that they would that they would beat both Vanderbilt and Louisville because a team that loses badly to this Georgia team, they would really have to regroup in a way that I think would be difficult to regroup from. And and you know if you be, if you lose badly to Georgia right now. It's tough for me to imagine that you're even that much better than Vanderbilt or Louisville. And, and I think that maybe the worst thing, big picture, is that the fans could check out. The fans could just become emotionally disinterested and a little bit apathetic, especially with basketball season coming up. That's not what they want. You know, the alternative, you know, I'm assuming you, you kind of implied there is that they go down and they beat Georgia. I yeah. think you, you beat Georgia, then the whole outlook changes. And it's not even because Georgia's a good team, because they're not really a good team right now. But if you win in Athens, you're 3-4 and four in the SEC, then you could legitimately look at the rest of the schedule and say, okay, we could finish 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in the SEC. And that would be a huge improvement, you know, even if it wasn't pretty in the middle of the season. So you're, this game is really pivotal. It's absolutely one of the biggest games of March Duke's era. It's going to define whether season three is, is substantially different than season two. Would you say that it's fair to, to pose it in those kind of stark terms? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt. And I even think they can go down there and, and be competitive with Georgia and lose a heartbreaker where you'll still keep some fans, uh, the, the large majority of the fan base, at least interested in that Vandy game. And that Vandy game would be a, a if they lose to Vanderbilt, I think every fan would jump off the bandwagon and maybe not worry about football until maybe national signing day some would even come back till august but yeah it, it's huge to go down there be competitive certainly not get to blow not get blown out uh, it'll be interesting speaking of blowouts justin we don't have a ton of time to talk about this but kentucky goes and plays their first exhibition game against ottawa and uh, a beat down from start to finish uh, kentucky's going to be able to score at the best of them this year don't you agree Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you – and I honestly think that they're going to be better to start the season, especially on offense, but better in general than originally I had anticipated just because you've got, obviously, Ulis with that tremendous experience and the fact that he makes everybody around him so much better and the fact that Murray is just – not just mature beyond his years, but really mature beyond his, his, his youth – um, you go into the season with those two guys kind of backcourt stacked like that, I think they're going to be ahead of a lot of teams out there, even even a lot of teams with some more experience. Um, it, it, was a, it was a fantastic display. I'm not going to read too much into it, but it bodes well how comfortable those guards were playing together, and that's going to carry them while they get it figured out down in the post. Um, I know one, of, one of the things that you singled out in your post-game comments was, was you thought Scal, you know, obviously a beautiful game, but he really he, he's got to become tougher down in the post. And how how key do you think that's going to be to Kentucky's chances? I mean, Poitras stays healthy. He's kind of the bull down low. Does Scal really still need to become more of a I don't want to say a banger, but does he really need to evolve a lot in that respect for Kentucky to, to make a run in the title? Well, I've kind of got back and forth on this. And when I first got to see the team practice, well, when I first just kind of thought about these players and watching them in high school and doing this and that. Uh, I thought, okay, well, they're not going to have a huge physical presence down there besides Poitras. That could be a problem. Then I watched them practice and saw 
uh, Scal and thought, okay, well, maybe he can get tougher as the year goes on because they're going to need him to do that. And then you had the blue-white game and, and, and this and that. Watching him play against Ottawa and uh, other competition, and we got to remember that Ottawa is Ottawa from Kansas, not Ottawa from Canada, is an NAIA Division II school. So it, it's one of the worst teams that John Calipari has ever coached against at Kentucky. So we need to keep that in mind. But watching him play against other competition, against a group of guys that don't know how he's going to play, it made me think maybe he does, he's not going to have to muscle people around. Uh, maybe his his offensive game, his his step back turnaround is so efficient and so good that that will be enough. He's so quick when he gets the ball that he's really hard to guard where he doesn't have to lower his shoulder into and get to the rim. He can turn around and if you're not if you don't have a hand in his face right when he does it, there's a good chance he's going to score on you. Offensively, he may be the most gifted big man John Calipari has ever coached, at least early on in the year. DeMarcus Cousins was great around the rim. His post moves were unbelievable. Carl Anthony Towns, it took him a little time, uh, but again, great around the rim. Post post moves, unbelievable. He had a great touch as well. Uh, but Scalabissier is just so offensively gifted where he's going to be able to step back and almost hit from anywhere within 15 12 feet, and it'll only get better as the year goes on. Obviously, Anthony Davis improved as an offensive player over the over the course of his one year at Kentucky. Uh, he was just dominantly def- uh, defense coming in. But, no, I, I don't think he's going to have to be the bruiser we thought. I think you're going to get enough muscle from Alex Poitras. And we also have to remember that Ty Winyard is going to be coming in. We don't know if he's going to redshirt or not, but it, you got to imagine if Kentucky is getting pushed around, if they're having a tough time rebounding, uh, then maybe they play Winyard a little bit more. He's very physical player, so... Uh, I, I don't think Scalabissier has to be that that physical force that maybe we thought he would have to be a few weeks ago. I agree with you. I, that's why I posed the question. I, I think you spelled it out more articulately than I could have. And I think two other things boded really well from that game. If you look back to Calipari's first team, they really struggled defending the three early in the season. I think a lot of those teams were just red hot from outside, and they were drilling threes in, in defenders' faces, the John Wall team. But they struggled to extend the defense even when it seemed like it was the primary objective and the teaching goal of Calipari early in the season. But this, the other night, when Ottawa kind of started getting hot from outside, they still hit some shots later, but they, they seemed like they were coachable and they adapted well in-game to something that they needed to, just as something as simple as extending the defense. And I think that the fact that they, that they showed to me that they were able to make that kind of in-game defensive adjustment, even against a bad opponent, I thought voted well defensively, but also but also in, in, in a more general sense. And then also, I know you were on the Murray bandwagon all along, so kudos and props to you for that. But just as a tandem, Ulysses' improvement and Murray being better than a lot of people thought, 39 points between the two of them the other night, not to mention all the assists. Scal's not going to have to be that kind of alpha male, i got to go get mine just to keep us afloat in big games kind of guy. I mean, he's going to be able to let the offense flow and come to him. Not, not more passive, but he's going to be able to pick his spot to not play as uncomfortably selfish on offense j- just with the two of those guys scoring, scoring the way that they did. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you thought you look back at the end of games last year where they throw it into the block to Carl Anthony Towns when they had to have a bucket. Well, this, this year you could just let Tyler Eulis create or just give it to Jamal Murray, which would be my first choice, and just let him drive. He can pull from anywhere. He can get to the rim. He's going to be able to draw fouls. So where John Calipari is, is used to throwing it inside when they have to have a bucket, 
2011 uh, year with Brandon Knight was an exception, and, and Jamal Murray will play a similar role to Brandon Knight. Uh, this year, it's going to be guards that are going to have the ball in crunch time, and there's nothing wrong with that with how good Jamal Murray is. One more thing about Jamal Murray is that I, I touched on when he first committed to UK, but now we're finally seeing it, and I wish I would have talked more about it. He is going to be maybe the best rebounding guard in UK basketball history. Uh, I'd put him in that same conversation with John Wall. So, you know, you may only have to go back to seven or six years ago. Uh, but he's he may, he may be second or third in rebounds on this team. Uh, Justin, I want to get your opinion because this is something a lot of people got on me about. As we got to see some of that press against Ottawa, the trapping press, full-court trapping press, and uh, I don't think it's going to work for UK this year. I would love to be wrong and, and, and see it be uh, efficient with the new 30-second shot clock. But Kentucky just got beat left and right. And when Ottawa was able to hit their – their threes it came off that broken press do you think that's going to be an option for UK do you think more time will will heal that I think I think it's kind of kind of one of those things where as the rotation tightens as the season goes on just like just similarly this will gradually move back to more of a pressure form a half court defense I can't imagine that Calipari is going to apply that kind of pressure full court for most of the season I just don't think that it's something let's he's not comfortable with it but I don't think it's the kind of defensive coach that he is and as the rotation tightens up, I just don't think that it would be it would be the most beneficial way to go about things. He's feeling things out, and, and he's kind of kind of seeing what the defense is capable of, what he's going to be able to throw at defenses in, in certain moments, and and it, it, it's revealing things to him about the kind of team that he has. But I got to go back a second and say. Rondo is the best rebounding guard that I've ever seen at Kentucky. So I'll give you this. Murray's the best rebounding guard since Rajon Rondo. I'll go back that far. Uh, but, yeah, he's a phenomenal rebounder, and I wanted to see him get the triple-double as well. Well, I think we're all pretty high at Cats Illustrated on this Cats team. I think you and Derek Perry had Kentucky winning the national championship, and I've got them reaching the Final Four. So, so it's going to be exciting to watch. It is going to be exciting, and it's going to be, I mean, just an offensive team this good is going to be fun to watch. Rajon Rondo is another guy up there. It's just Tubby seemed to put the reins on him so much that, you know, he only averaged only. His freshman year only averaged three rebounds a game. I can guarantee you Jamal Murray will average more than that. Now his sophomore year is much better, around six rebounds per game. Uh, But – Last thing, I want to touch on this and get your opinion on it. Uh, basketball recruiting, there's going to be some huge news, and we could be able to talk about this next week a little bit more in detail. But John Calipari visiting Harry Giles, Malik Monk this week. Harry Giles says he's going to move up his decision date. He's not going to announce in North Carolina like he was originally planning. Could John Calipari pull this out, Justin? I'm not going to bet against him. I, I, I certainly don't think that if I were betting on, on this, and I wouldn't, but I, I wouldn't put the money on Kentucky at, at this moment. But there's also no other coach in the country that, that I would say with as much confidence, don't write him off. I, I think that, that Duke is probably where he's going to end up. Uh, but I, I'd say Kentucky's got more than a puncher's chance. I would put the odds right at about a third, which you know certainly worth continuing to follow. Do you think that that's maybe too bullish? Or, or, or where, what would you say the odds would be if, if, if you're talking Giles at Kentucky right now? As of today, when we're recording this on a Wednesday, I would still say Duke is the favorite. But I'll tell you this, all the all the latest momentum is for Kentucky, and that may be some misdirection. That could be, uh, you know, Harry Giles knowing that Duke and Kentucky's rivals and trying to build up some, uh, you know, some fanfare. But I think Kentucky's got a puncher's chance here. And, again, like you said, John Calipari, you can never count him out. I don't think he would have visited Harry Giles this week if he didn't think he had a chance. He visits it. Sure enough, a day later, 
Harry Giles says he's going to move up his date, not announce North Carolina. So it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, this uh, Justin, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll post this on Cats Illustrated later today where you all can listen to it if you didn't get to catch all of this on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Thanks for joining us again, Justin. Thank you, TJ. Take care. All right, Justin Rowland, the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com for Wednesday's Cats Illustrated podcast, which we do, again, every Wednesday. You can listen to it live here. If you only caught half of it, the, we talked all football, a lot of basketball. You can catch it all on CatsIllustrated.com uh, when we finish up. So uh, we're going to head to a commercial break. When we get back, uh, we'll touch on some of the things that Justin and I touched on and some other news around sports. Allow Trevor to talk again because I know he's uh, he's just – He's just waiting his turn. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Everybody in the car, boat leads in two minutes. Or perhaps you don't want to see the second largest ball of twine on the face of the earth, which is only four short hours away. Song, song of the south, sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind, there ain't nobody looking back again. We're back here, 1450, the sports buzz. Trevor, is your voice just, uh, did your lips get sewn shut, having to keep them quiet for such a long time? It sometimes does get tough for me to want to jump in. It does. I, I sometimes have to fight it. I do. When, when well, you, when you I, talk, I, it's not that I don't disagree. Sometimes it's it, not that I disagree with everything one of you may say, but sometimes I know you never disagree with anything I say. Oh, God forbid. Uh, but in some cases, and, and today being a prime example, I almost just wanted to jump in in agreement with something Justin said when he was, especially going back to the football team when he said he said something I thought was really smart when he said that. Just because they make a bowl this year doesn't mean they've made improvements. And I thought that was very insightful. And I was like, you know, that's a very good point. I, I, no, I, it, and, and what he said was if they make a bowl. If, if, he <laughs> may, if he said, if Kentucky makes a bowl by beating, uh, lucky to beat Vanderbilt, kind of, you know, looking ugly to do it, and then playing less than impressive against Charlotte, and they make a bowl that way. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with them. Now, yeah. it would be a minor step in the right direction. And maybe if they won the bowl game, that changes things. But, you know, if they were to go to that bowl game and get blown out, yeah, I agree with Justin 100% there. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think you can look at that as a, a big step forward in any sense of the imagination. Because I think what, he, what the, the perception is, if you look at it from, you know, a, a six steps back view of, of, of the program and of the season, you see obviously making a bowl – you don't look at the the inside of it how the, you know the last year was fold, you know faded the way it did and you, but you see five wins of obviously an improvement you look and see a bowl the next year you would think gen- generically that it's an improvement in the program an improvement in the team but i mean if you if you watch last year and i think last year was an improvement obviously unfortunately despite the way it ended even without a bowl and the way it slided away at the end of the season but this year i have not i mean i have not seen any improve? Well, if they make a bowl this year, I I I would be hard pressed to say I've seen an improvement from this year's team to last year's team. I I just haven't. And and if they sneak into a bowl the way you described, it doesn't improvement to me is not getting blown out in games like Tennessee and Mississippi, and Mississippi State back to back and struggling in wins against EKU. 
in giving up losses to an Auburn team that you theoretically may could be better than or maybe should beat, you know, even if it is Auburn on the outside of things. That's not improvement to me. This team is not – if anything, it's continuing to slide and show – and show inconsistencies that were popping up at the last five games of last year and have continued into this year. Well, I, and again, I, and maybe, I was on your maybe, bandwagon maybe, at the beginning of the year, so don't call me well, a hater. Maybe, maybe stats would disagree with this, but I, you know, you, you talked about improvements from last year to this year. I do think UK skill possession players on offense are better wide receivers, running backs. I, again, I, you know, maybe they rushed for more yards last year. Maybe they, pass for more yards I don't think I don't know if either of those are true but uh, I, I do think you just have more weapons on offense which really is a slap in Patrick Toll's face for him not being better defensively I do think they're a little bit better again the numbers uh, at least these last two games probably stack up similar to the last six games last year when UK gave up over 40 points a game I do think they're a little bit better defensively at least in the secondary if nowhere else um, so those, there are some slight improvements, but there also have probably been some places where they've taken a step back. Uh, I don't know if the offensive line is as good as it was last year, maybe slightly worse. The defense line is significantly worse as to be expected when you lose two NFL draft picks, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I'm on the same page as Justin. Now they got, they have four games left. They have four games left where we, we could be saying, okay, that's, that's what UK fans were expecting this year. That's the team that I think a lot of people expected to see. That's the the step in the right direction a lot of fans wanted. Uh, but I do agree with the premise that just making a bowl game isn't necessarily just enough. Now, that doesn't mean they have to win seven games. They could still just win six games this year, but there, there could be the right way to do it. And that is being competitive against Georgia and maybe losing that game narrowly. Hell, maybe they lose to Vandy on a last-second field goal, but both teams play well. I can't imagine a scenario that happens because Vanderbilt's really bad. But, you know, maybe you beat Louisville, maybe you kill Charlotte. I don't know. There is a scenario where they can win six games and look good doing it. But just the the idea of, hey, get to a bowl game and the program's moving forward, that's not necessarily true. Need to see a little bit more than that. And also, I mentioned improvement to me this year is winning the games you're supposed to, which technically I guess they have to this point, whether they've been impressively won or not, and and, and be competitive at least in a game or two with a team you're not supposed to. And that's the pro- that's what I have not seen yet. Except I mean, you can say Florida maybe, but to be honest, Florida's offense is just. I mean, you can give credit to a little bit of Kentucky's defense, and you, they deserve some credit for keeping them in the game. But Florida's offense, in some points, have kept them kept other teams in the game without no matter how the other team's defense is played. And they're okay. No, we're not, we're not going to take away that Florida game. Kentucky was good then, and then the wheels have fallen off since then for whatever reason. But, uh, well, well, again, four games left. The story is not finished just yet. Uh, it could get worse. <laughs> could get It could get a lot worse. It could get better. This Georgia game on Saturday will certainly point us in the right direction there. Uh, I had mentioned this in the podcast, but I had said it incorrectly at the start of the show about Harry Giles. He He's not announcing November 14th anymore. He's announcing November 12th. And this is semi-breaking news. And again, I did correct myself on the podcast. But and on Trevor, John Calipari meets with him yesterday. And today we find out that he will now announce November 12th. And he was originally planning on announcing in North Carolina where he is from. And where that happens to be, you know, Duke is in North Carolina, Trevor. Instead, he'll announce so in Wake Virginia. Forest and Wake and North Carolina, two other schools recruiting him. And he will now announce in Virginia at his school, which is Oak Hill Academy. So, uh, you know, if we want to read into this, <laughs> we could. Now, yeah. I would be cautious in doing so. If I had to pick today, like I told Justin, I still would say Duke would be the pick. 
but it certainly seems like Kentucky's got some momentum here. It, it could be. I mean, you could look at it. That, there's no reason to look at it positively that way. I mean, also, you could think that, I mean, he doesn't mean anything less that he doesn't just to still decide to want to go to Duke. He just wants to make the announcement sooner than later than he originally planned. And but, but two the days? The fact that he's not going to do it in his home state, where it's just also the home of your the bigger bigger competitor for Kentucky and his recruitment, which is Duke. I mean, that I, I yes, I, I could see where if you want to grasp at straws and nitpick in the story, that does would be make me feel a little positive and more fuzzy if I'm a big Blue Nation fan. But and and, and it could also mean he just wants to do it at his high school. I mean, it does. You're maybe it could be something. It could be nothing. Well, I, I I don't know. I don't know if it's something or not. I'm going to play devil's advocate with myself here for a second, Trevor. You 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 can play along too. Uh, oh, you're okay. You do you do a good job when you're just playing with yourself. So he's the the plan was to announce at uh, it, it, they're playing in a tournament in North Carolina. It happens to be in Winston Salem, which is actually his hometown. So on the one hand, uh, oh wow, he's not going to go back to his hometown. He's not going to do North Carolina. That's good news for Kentucky. I, I mean, I don't know if there's any way that you can take that and not say that's at least some positive news for UK. It doesn't mean he's going there, but at least that's a that's. It's not like he's going to change the location to Durham and do it there. So it, it's slightly positive news. Now on the flip side, like you just mentioned, Wake Forest is a finalist. Maybe he thought to himself, "Hey." I'm not going to pick Wake Forest. I know that I'm going to Duke, or maybe he is going to Kentucky, but uh, maybe he, he says, I'm not going to pick Wake Forest. I don't want it to be a slap in the face for me to be in their city and announce for another school because they've been recruiting me throughout this whole process. I've got a great relationship with Danny Manning. I'm going to go elsewhere. So uh, which one do you think sounds more likely there? Oh, man. Uh, more likely is probably the positive and positiveness of uh, the Kentucky fans in reading into this. Yeah, and, and, now, that, that, and that's that another mean, thing. That means it's one hundred percent likely in my brain. No, but it's. I mean, it's like a fifty-one, forty-nine, fifty-two, forty-eight type of uh, lean towards that. Very another close, point but. on that is it's two days. It's two days. It's not like he, you know, said, you know what, I, I, I'm ready to do it now. I'm ready to, I'm ready to commit right now. <laughs> Or it's not like he said, I, I need to wait till the spring. He's saying, okay, on November 14th, I'm going to be in the state of North Carolina. I want to do it November 12th when I'm not going to be in the state of North Carolina. Well, That's the way I look at it. Again, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe you know, he could be just kind of uh, stirring the pot, trying to get fans excited about his decision. They will be. We're going to hear a lot between now and next Wednesday, or next Thursday, excuse me. Uh, we're eight days away from his decision. We will hear a lot between now and then. I mean, would you consider it positive if he had, if he had pushed it back two or three days to when, to when he had left the state of North Carolina? Would you still see that as as positive as moving it up? Before yeah. He gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you would, could, also, you could so. also say he moved it up before he went to North Carolina because he wants to make the announcement and and have it already known before he get, goes back to his home state. And, and that's a good point, too. Uh, you could, that you know, that's a good point as well where you could say, you know what, he knows he's going to pick Duke. He wants to when he heads back, and yeah, we're acting like it's and... we're acting like it's a, a cross country flight. Oak Hill from Winston Salem's like three hours or two hours. No, it's not far at all. So it's not like it's a cross country flight. But it could, you know that's a that's a good point. That's another another devil's advocate point that UK fans need to consider is hey maybe he knows he's going to commit to uh, Duke, and when he heads back to North Carolina in a tournament where Sasha Killa Jones, UK commit is going to be playing. And maybe he wants the Duke fans to come out, support him, celebrate him, 
do all that good stuff. And that's certainly a possibility. Uh, who knows? Again, like I said, today I would still pick Duke, but we're going to hear a lot in the next eight days, and John Calipari hasn't given up. I did hear I did hear something funny, Trevor, that I'm going to share with you. You can't tell anybody, okay? Make me smile. So there's a story on CatsIllustrated.com of uh, Yudoka Azubuki. He's a sinner. He he was planning on visiting UK last week. He decided, or they they said something came up. He couldn't do it, and they're going to try to reschedule. Uh, there's another five star recruit named Jared Allen, a basketball player. He was planning on announcing. Uh, or not announcing, he was planning on a visiting for UK or to UK last week as well. Uh, out of the blue, he changed his visit. He's coming this weekend, and he went to Houston last weekend. Now, what I <laughs> it was kind of weird. Two guys had uh, scheduled visits to UK, and both of them ended up deciding to do something different. And John Calipari's father did have surgery on Thursday. I thought, hey, maybe that has something to do with it. You know, he wants to be with his dad. I was told it was it was something else. And this wasn't with anybody close to UK. So, I, you know, I can't confirm this. But do you know why, John? Do you know why those players didn't visit? Um, the complications in the entertainment scheduling? John Calipari had tickets to the Breeders' Cup. Oh, so he just bumped a couple recruits to go to the Breeders' Cup? <laughs> Again, I, I can't confirm that through UK. My sources at UK didn't tell me that. But it does make sense because he was at the Breeders' Cup. I mean, he was recruit, there. Do you not get insulted by that in a little bit? I mean, or, or do you care? Uh, well, if you said, well, if you said, hey, if let, let's pretend I'm a, a, an opposing coach. Okay. Wow. John thought a horse race was more important than you coming to campus? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that should, that's eye-opening. Now, on the flip side, this could be John Calipari. Listen, I had made plans. They asked me to, to be at the race and, and to say a few words and to do this and that, and I couldn't back out of it. It's the biggest horse race of the year, and I, you know, I really wanted you to get on campus. I want to give you my full attention when you're on campus. You could come anyways, but I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't think that's very fair to you and you won't get to see Kentucky for all it's worth. So let's reschedule. That's the exact quote I guarantee you Cal, Cal said. If, if that, so that, if, doesn't, that doesn't sound so bad. No, he makes but when an opposing coach, okay. But when an opposing coach says, oh, wow, he, he ditched you for a horse race. I mean, he was in Houston before that. I could see Houston's coach looking at him and saying, listen, uh, whichever recruit. Jared, Jared Allen. Jared Allen, who I could have swore was playing defensive end for the Panthers. But listen, listen Jared Allen. Spelled he, differently. Okay, I'm sure it is. Uh, I know he, he's he's bumping you for horse racing. It's my kid's birthday today, okay? My wife is having our second <laughs> child right now. My mother is in surgery, in life-threatening heart surgery. You know what? I told them all, kiss off. I'm hanging out with you, Jared Allen, today. Yeah, like, Let's go to could, Sonic. You could do that. You could do that. Uh, and that would that would probably work. Uh, what else do, do we – what's going on with Louisville? Any uh, – no news he, is good news, other than, unfortunately, the, the unfortunate news. I know, I'm sure you read this. Uh, Cal Couric uh, found with a brain tumor, which is really yes, unfortunate. Yes, I, 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 I did read that. That is uh, horribly sad. The surgery has taken place, though, correct? It is. They, they, From what I understand, they've hopefully caught it in time uh, and will hopefully get it removed, and he will be okay. And uh, it's just it's just kind of it, it sucks because he's such a, he is a good dude. And I touched on this, and he is—he does seem like a good dude. I know he does a lot 
for charity. He's playing overseas. This kind of came out of nowhere. Just got married, I think, and maybe just had a kid, I think I want to say. It makes you uh, appreciative of your, you know, uh, of what you have when something like that can pop up so out of the blue. Uh, So wish him the best from the 1450 Sports Buzz family. And Louisville did have their media day today. Uh, Some players talking. I haven't had a chance to read all the quotes yet uh, and go through them, but uh, there is a, a nice stack of things. Thanks to uh, our friends over at Courage Journal and so on and so forth of uh, some quotes today from local players. Now, did Rick Pitino talk to the media today? Uh, he did a blog post. Does that count? He did one today. Uh, he did one yesterday. I think it was. Okay. Well, <laughs> did he? but did he talk to the media today? Uh, I would assume he would maybe talk to him, but I have not seen any quotes from him. Oh, I haven't seen any from him either, so I'm guessing that he probably I would think no, not. yeah. Did not, uh, which I, I'm glad. If he would have talked today at Louisville's media day, but not at ACC media day, that would have oh, that would have bugged. That would have bugged go. me. It would have bugged let me. Let it go. Are you singing a Frozen song? I, I wouldn't even know that. I'm not, you know, I didn't even know what the movie Frozen was until like six months ago. Uh, move, move on. It's, it's okay. You didn't want to go to ACC media day. Get, get get over at ACC media people. I'm sorry if you feel like you were you're, you were left out in the cold and you were uh, overlooked and felt and looked as not as important enough for his time and effort probably weren't get over it well or you could say wow what a baby yeah you could say that too yeah i, I like i like my version better though i think that's short and sweet <laughs> to the point um well <laughs> any uh any fun quotes from the uval players today for media day uh, again, none, none that stuck out to the point where it made me uh, write it down right away. So, uh, and n- nothing. No, no one came out and was just like, "Oh, hey, I got to get out of here early. I got a meeting with Katina Powell or something like that." No, nothing like that broke up. Nothing. Oh man. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry to disappoint you in that way. Sorry to. Sorry to, to I can give you joy. <laughs> to to end the show today, I touched on this on the podcast, and I want to spend the last four or five minutes talking about it. Right. So there was confirmed to be a players-only meeting with UK. You never hear about that as a good thing. You never hear, hey, we're 7-0, and players-only meeting time. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen. You do it when things aren't going well. You do it when there's some struggles, and supposedly there was one with Kentucky. Now, from what I was hearing is that there's a divide in the locker room. And the divide has to do amongst recruiting classes. Now, it's not like the 2013 class hates the 2014 class or anything along those lines. But there's cliques amongst the classes in terms of their of how they go about things. Some guys are much more blue collar. Some are more naturally gifted. And there's some, uh, you know, the, the blue collar guys are mad at the work ethic of the of the guys that think they're better than everybody else. And then the guys that think they're better than everybody else uh, think the other people on the team kind of stink. So I have heard that there is some divide. Now, I, I kind of shrugged it off as, yeah, they're not playing well. You're always going to get these type of stories. But with Miguel Horton confirming the players only meeting on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being awfully con- concerning, Trevor, where where would you put this? Uh, I mean, you, I wouldn't put as much while I'm not dismissing the, the reasoning for the meeting that you gave in terms of the clicks and the divided locker room and so on and so forth. Because the way that they've played over in this month of October, I, whether there's a d- divided locker room or not, there probably needs to be a team meeting, especially just the last three games in general and in the last two games. I think whether there's a divide or not, whether that's true, 
there needs to be a team meeting, and I, and I think that should be confirmed because listen, if there if there if there is a divide, then yeah, the team meeting needs to be needs to be held. And you need to figure out, hash it out, hug it out, whatever you you kids do today. You do the fist pump and blow it up. I don't care. Do it and get it over with. Suck it up. Be a man and, go, and get play with your teammates. And if there isn't a divide, you just need to have one in general to see what the hell is wrong with us right now. We 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 need to figure something. Obviously, needs to change. And if the coaching staff if, if it doesn't do it, we need to do it as our own self as players because this season is tail spinning out of control, kamikaze style, and it needs to be fixed asap. Well, I'll say if this: you get blown out against if, Georgia. I, I can't promise the, the expectations going into Vanderbilt. I, I can imagine the deflation of that balloon just being exploded. If they, if the divide is as bad as it was made it out to be, and I'm sure it's probably not. Thing, again, things get exaggerated. How much would about Boone Williams the, is the egotistical one that some people are not liking? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, maybe, I just have a feeling. Not. He just rubs me that way. I don't know. Just, maybe, maybe not. But if, and he, he's now listed as day-to-day, still likely doubtful for Saturday, but day-to-day, which makes it seem, okay, him playing for Vanderbilt it seems much more likely, which is good news for you guys. Yeah. But to me, if the divide was as bad as I heard it was, and again, I, I'm saying it probably wasn't because things get exaggerated when there's a losing streak, then a players-only meeting is not going to fix that. One sit-down is not going to fix that. And if that does fix that, then that's kind of concerning in itself that just you needed to be talked to about coming together as a team. Now, I agree with you. The players only meeting, it can't hurt when you lose two games that badly. You probably do need to make sure everybody's on the same page. Should have probably we'll had find it out right against Georgia. Tennessee game. We'll, we'll, we'll find out against Georgia if, 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 if it paid dividends or not. I, I Again, I think the idea of a players only meeting where you do need to all sit down and get on the same page. It's kind of silly to me. It can work. But it's kind of silly to me. Everybody should be on the same page. You should give 110% every time you go out there and play. And the fact that you need to bring everybody together and call out people that aren't doing that, I get the concept of it. And, again, it can be beneficial. I just think it's kind of silly. We'll see if it's beneficial for Kentucky. But, again, if, if it was as bad as it was made it out to be and just different styles of how you go about uh, playing, then then, you know, you, you hope they can figure that out sooner than later. That's not something that you think you can fix from a week to week. I mean, if you get blown uh, out in setting. Georgia, if you get blown out at Georgia, and that's not out of the realm of possibility, and I don't think, listen, I, I'd be, you'd be, I don't think you'd be shocked if you heard me say that I think they have a chance to beat Georgia because I've said it in crazier situations when they probably have less of a chance to do this year. But if you do get blown out at Georgia, I mean, where, where, do your, where does your confidence lie going into Vanderbilt? I mean, even if it, even, even if it is Vanderbilt, it's on the road. Vanderbilt is, while not a good team, not a bad team, they're an average to below average team, but they, with a solid defense. Where where does your confidence lay if you're lie if you're Kentucky? I mean, are you in negatives? Are you in? I mean, just above the the Mendoza line. I mean, where where are you at? Well, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. They're not a good team. So yeah, if Kentucky got blown they're, out. They're probably saying Kentucky's Kentucky. If Kentucky got blown out by Georgia. I would, I, I'd still think Kentucky's the better team than Vanderbilt, but from a confidence standpoint, it would be concerning. You'd wonder where the players' mindset would be heading into a game where, on the flip side, Vanderbilt would likely be thinking, "Hey, we can get these guys. We, we definitely can get them." And Kentucky thinking, "Oh man, I, you know, if we lose to Vanderbilt, everybody's going to get so mad at us, and, and nobody's going to support us anymore." So the, it would kind of be a similar situation to the Georgia Kentucky game with the Kentucky Vanderbilt the following week, where all the pressures on Georgia, all the pressure the following week will be on Kentucky. So 
it, it wouldn't be an easy game. And I've been saying that since the season started, that Vanderbilt isn't going to be as easy as everybody's making it out to be. Because, again, Kentucky's won one road game in the past, what, five years? That's a road game. It's a road game. Uh, we're out of time. By, by way, we'll be quick, back. Yates wants you to know that he can give you one great example of a player meeting working, the T.C. William Titans. Oh, okay. That, that, <laughs> good point. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the T.C. William Titans. Thanks for listening. 1450 The Sports Buzz. Kentucky Dew, Oprah Freaks Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. So I'll call it blue, grass, so I'll call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of tone. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you say high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life. When they say I'm going wrong and I swear I'm doing right. Come on. Sitting by the river, got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Say it's time to take a trip to where the grass is blue and peep how the mere south do.